Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Top Docs Radio. Brought to you by Hyperbaric Physicians of Georgia, a comprehensive wound resolution and UHMS accredited hyperbaric medicine practice with four offices to serve you. Find us on the web at www.hbomdga.com. Facebook and Twitter at HBOMDGA. Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on Top Docs Radio. Thanks for making us a part of your day again today. Joined in the studio, as always, hey, hey. by Krista Baruti, our producer and engineer. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks for being here. Brought some great guests today. Why don't you introduce us to everybody? Well, um, you know, I, I, I am kind of in, pleased to bring these uh, guests on the show today. I mean, obviously, in the last year or so, with the rollout of the Affordable Care Act, some things are changing as it relates to um, the importance of the, the patient's experience. That will begin to kind of play a significant role in uh, how it flows for the hospitals and physicians that are providing care and and, uh, what they do, the solutions that they're offering, play right into that. So I'll jump in and uh, introduce our guests. Uh, On my left here, I have Sahil Patel of ER Express. Hi, CW. Thanks for having me. We've got Diana Keogh of Sherwick, which W-I-K stands for what I know. You remembered. We'll find out what she knows. (laughs) Great to be here. And then, of course, we have Stuart Bracken, the CEO of Bioscape Digital, and I'm very glad to have you here with us talking about what you're going to be doing. Thanks Thanks so much for having me. And um, so we'll kind of get down into it. Uh, you know, th- as I talked about the, f- the Affordable Care Act and its uh, impact on the, you know, the emerging importance of patient satisfaction on their overall experience, you know, ultimately it'll end up depending, you know, or having some measure of, of influence on reimbursement. Um, and so there, there's going to be a great deal of focus going forward on what is that experience like? How do we keep the patient engaged while they're there? Because obviously, as we know, that sometimes wait times can be important and, uh, and play a big piece of whether someone's happy or not about their experience in a doctor's office or a, or a hospital. Um, both of the, the ER Express and Bioscape Digital's platforms and their solutions help deal with that directly. And then it ties in with, you know, Diana's uh, uh, project there at Sherwick, which is focusing heavily on telling stories, um, helping uh, providers, um, and healthcare experts be able to tell their story and be able to provide information out there that's useful to a particular audience and gets them engaged with them early on in their life cycle, maybe before they need your services, but they're coming to you as an expert, uh, providing them useful and, and uh, relevant information. So can you talk to me, Diana, a little bit more about ShareWIC and what someone can expect when they go there and who, who needs to interface with your expertise? Well, it's interesting because um, what you're basically talking about is health literacy. And mm-hmm. what the ACA has done is basically made um, us all consumers of health care, mm-hmm. which is really a new focus in, in prevention as opposed to treatment after they get there. So there's an emphasis on, on you know, preventing all of the population from getting sick in the first place. So it's slowly moving that way. It's almost like the thinking, rethinking this and the ACA has caused the shifting of the Titanic. And, um, you know, it was done very quickly, but, you know, everybody that's here in this room, every single one of these companies just happened to be in the right place at the right time. We're all kind of working within our passion space. And for me, I've been a healthcare journalist for 20 plus years and was working for the Cleveland Plain Dealer in 
outside of Cleveland or actually in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, and my contract allowed me to also report for National Public Radio. And then I was on television, too. So, you know, multimedia reporter um, deep into the healthcare space was a front page series writer. And then my husband took a job here in Atlanta. Yep. Um, 2006, I commuted between here and the Cleveland area for over a year and a half um, because it was a really was, they were really good to me. It was an, it, it was like who would walk away from a gig it's like nice that? Dream job, in yeah. A way. yeah. You know, and it was also. I mean, I was already doing what I always wanted to do. What do I do next? And so, in kind of looking into the whole new media space and still being able to tell people's stories, and I basically had to kind of back out of what I had been doing for twenty plus years and figure out what it was I loved about my job. And it really was telling people's stories. So, in two thousand and ten, I launched a, what I thought was going to be just a website. And um, we were telling people stories and people were looking straight in the camera like, this is what you need to know if you're going to go through this. These are lessons learned, mistakes made. If I could do this all over again, this is what I would do differently. And Krista, you know that we as women, we don't even get our hair cut without going to two, you know, getting two friends' opinions on what we should do. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, everything we're wearing, the shows, the, the places we shop, women don't make decisions on our own. We always basically crowdsource most decisions that we make, even I'm sorry to tell you guys this in the room. Even men we date, it's got to be. It's true. It's not surprising. We have it's our girls circles. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> you know, we started this website, Share What, as CW said, stands for Share What I Know. And in launching, very shortly after I launched, my old newspaper came to me and asked me if they could use my content. I'm like, yes, I love you. Use my content. And then we had another major media company come to me and asked me if they could use our content and oh by the way what do you charge and I was like oh my oh, gosh wait, yeah are you kidding yeah well I'm a journalist wow. I'm, I'm not used to getting paid yeah. so right. yeah um, <laughs> and you know I loved what I was doing so much that you know we were going the traffic and I just loved you know the 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 magic that happens when someone tells their story and actually kind of forgets the camera is rolling it's just magic to watch and so we then kind of went into the whole distribution process and about a year and a half ago, or actually it's now two years ago, we started doing a lot of things for companies like Stewart's um, Bioscape that were looking for content. I mean, he is not a content creator. He has got a terrific platform. He's got terrific technology, but that technology needs content. Mm -hmm. So we then expanded into the healthcare channel and creating content and licensing the content that we're creating to players like that. So that's kind of the the very cliff note edition of how we got started and why I'm even in this room with these very intelligent men. And I was I was going to ask kind of, you know, obviously, you know, Bioscape Digital is is one of those because they're they've got a platform, you know, that relies on interesting content to keep the person engaged with it. Um, but beyond, you know, say a technology platform like this, who else is is, you know, needing to come to you to secure some well-written, you know, well-produced healthcare type information. I'm looking at the blog, for example, and it, you know, this, when I read it, it's, it's aimed at, you know, patients. Uh, and I presume that basically what I could do is license this content mm -hmm. and actually include it on my own website. And, and that's part of the thing is inbound marketing, but sex whisperer, sugar and spice, making love when you're a diabetic. I mean, you know, it's going to make me read it. Um, you know, breast cancer revisited. Can you talk yourself out of it? You know, another good headline that makes me wonder what's behind that. But who, who in the healthcare vertical is needing to license and, and, and should think about, you know, having content like yeah, this and it's on their a, website. You know, a lot of what you, you know, if you click onto an insurance provider, your insurance provider, or even a healthcare exchange, and there's content on there, well, somebody has to write that and somebody has to produce that. 
that's our customer. So not only the like that breast cancer um, article you just quoted the headline, American Cancer Society is one of our clients. Okay. So their video production, their a lot of their written pieces we've done. We've produced a lot of that for it. And we're talking the personal stories. Like we just this entire month we are publishing for the American with the American Cancer Society all of their breast cancer content. Okay. So that's a customer. GE Healthcare is a customer. So anywhere between media partners such as Health Grades, um, such as Time Warner, such as Share Everyday Care. Health. Does a place like that come to you, or um, do they produce their they own? They would. They're oh. they're a potential client as well. Um, I've never actually called on them. So I see. You know, you know, those are from media companies like Everyday Health, Health Grades, those types of companies, to others in the healthcare channels, nonprofits, National Parkinson's Foundation is a, is a client, American Cancer Society, as I said, GE Healthcare, Abbott, um, um, Health Ponds, we were talking about them earlier before we went on air. So the healthcare channel. So anyone that has to, inbound marketing, yes, yeah. we will produce that. But a lot of, um, you know, a lot of these tech col- companies, exchanges are, are licensing our content because they need to populate their, con- their website with content that's sticky, that's engaging, that is basically helping those pe- people that are coming to their website make good decisions about their health care. So as I said and when I first introduced it, it's like these are the mistakes I made, lessons learned. If I could do it all over again, this is what I would do differently. So it basically plays into that health care literacy on those things that we talk to each other about. You know, if the doctor says it's going to take me six weeks to to um, kind of uh, recover from a heart surgery. Well, you know, my neighbor down the street actually had that same surgery, so I want to know what the experience. We all want to know what it, what really happened. Right. Because the doctors more often than not have never gone through it, so we're talking to each other. So we have basically created that vehicle, and then we license that content. But we also have experts doing their perspective. We also have, um, you know, experts that are like what you read with the sex sex whisperer. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a sex care, sex therapist expert. So we have experts that are writing for us and it's all medically vetted and accredited. So, And just to give her a compliment, I'm not going to give her too many today. But <laughs> it's, it's true. But it's as a consumer or a platform that delivers content, there's a lot of content that's out there. There's not a lot of good content that's out there. And so yeah. finding sort of the premium, top quality, well-vetted, well-produced content is difficult, and that's what I think they've done so well. Yeah, you know, it, 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 you don't have to look around very long on the website to find piece after piece that really, you know, pulls you in and makes you want to, you know, go past the headline. Um, and obviously the photography that you use along with it is, is outstanding as well. We've been talking with Diana Keogh of Sherwick.com, and it's a, a website and, and platform that, you know, as Diana has shared, is, is aimed at providing useful healthcare content for a variety of end users uh, aimed at uh, getting people to kind of stick to them. And, and you know, talk about that. How, why is it important to be, if I'm a healthcare provider, you know, using our own practice as an example, and we've been trying to kind of, you know, start to do that because we have a story to tell. We have people that need to know about us. Um, you know, why is it important to be putting information out there? It's, you know, a lot of times people thought if I just have a really cool looking website, that's all I need. Now, now people will come and my bell will start ringing, but that's not the case. Um, why is that kind of content and the whole concept of inbound marketing, if you will, why, why is that important? Well, there's a couple, there's, you know, you're a lot younger than most of us in this room, but um, it's like there's a generation, if you don't have, if you're not establishing yourself as a thought leader, you don't exist. 
So there's so much there's so much information on the internet now that if they come to your website and there's nothing, it's a static page. Right. Um, they think that you're basically not really in business. You know, to tell somebody that, well, you're busy, too busy to do it. Well, that's not an excuse anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I people that meet with me or have, um, have have spent any time with me, it's like if you don't actually have an active website that has updated blogs, updated videos, up, update, 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 Facebook, Twitter, it's it's there's no longer a ROI as far as the risk of inve- or the the return on investment. Now it's a risk of ignoring. And so that's why it's important to have content that is constantly being refreshed, that's engaging, that shows you as a thought leader, that is, you know, bringing you in. And if you don't have them within, like if it's reading, if it's not the first three lines, you're done. Right. If it's not the first 16 seconds, you're done. Mm-hmm. So with content, when you, you know, in, engage with sharewick.com and we start getting content, is then the work going to the social media outlets essentially then is that i mean to to be able to obviously you know you can keyword things a little bit but i mean to be able to get it out there to actually have people begin to see it and then to turn around and share it and give you earned media i assume that that's what you have to do you have to kind of be active in the social media channels yeah you you basically it's no longer build it and they will come it's you have to go where people are actually having conversations and and it can't be a, a spray and you know pray it has to be a deliberate conversation making, engaging, provocative conversation starter. And you have to, when someone responds, hey, I really like that, thank you very much. It has to be an ongoing conversation where you actually are participating. You know, we're doing um, for a couple organizations, we're doing webinars, live streaming webinars for something that they used to do in house. Well, why are they wasting that content? You know, so we're actually creating all that content for them in different form. You know, we we shoot it and then we break it up, we edit it. So we also do you know live events. We also have now a um, a software or um, a technology platform that allows us to distribute our content to corporate wellness platforms as well. So a lot of it can be easily integrated, and it's in courses where an employee, they can take their employees through these courses and actually have them watch videos and they can incentivize that. Again, you know, there are so many companies that have tried so many different things to get the needle of behavior to change. Right. Um, you know, all of us are relatively fit in this room and most of us probably work out. So we're going to continue to work out no matter what. It's those people that aren't, they can't reach, you know, they're not showing up to get their, you know, their BMI or their, their vitals taken and getting a hundred bucks. I mean, who walks away from a hundred bucks just to have your, you know, your pulse taken, but that's happening. And brown bags, those weren't working. And so we, we basically built this technology platform that, you know, corporate, corporate clients can actually use and integrate into their wellness platform. So it's just another way to get healthcare literacy and change behavior. So if, if you're a corporate client out there, a Coca-Cola uh, mm-hmm. uh, they can actually potentially reduce their healthcare costs by having useful, motivating, compelling, compelling, engaging content. Yeah. Uh-huh. And what is, you know, again, I, I told you how I started this. I had no intention of really uh, running a business. I just had my first book published and it's basically the, everything I wrote is under the heading accidental CEO. I mm. really didn't mean to do this. Um, I, I just wanted to write again. Um, but now that I'm here, I might as well keep going. Um, but what's interesting is what these corporate clients, and I didn't intend when we built this platform, I didn't intend the unintended consequence 
for employers to be able to see, and it's all HIPAA compliant, so we don't know who's doing what, but we can tell who's watching what. And they are pushing, initially they start out pushing, and they all do this, smoking cessation, Mm -hmm. diabetes management, and weight loss, and um, breast cancer, or cancer, anything cancer. And what is happening is that they're sometimes watching what is being pushed, but what they're spending their time on is depression, it's on aging, caring for aging parents, and it's on things that are happening in the house when we can no longer talk about really what our kids are really like. You know, eating disorders, ADD, um, behavior issues with our kids. That's what their employees are spending their time Mm. in their free time watching these movies, these videos. Mm -hmm. And so then they can take what they're finding with these and then tailor their wellness programs to that as opposed to what they think they should be doing. Is that because it's a safer avenue, watching and learning about it versus it's having in the, to ask the question? Exactly. It's in the privacy of their own home. And so they can watch it. And, and we're also doing the secondary market for the spouse and kids. It's all on mobile. It's all accessible. And that across the board, those are the topics that are constantly being watched. It's interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can see, uh, you know, clearly for a larger, you know, a corporate, you know, mid-sized company on up, um, that there's absolute value in being able to, you know, reduce their healthcare spend to the to the benefit of their employees. Because obviously, along with that, their employees are healthier, living longer, happier lives, that kind of thing. But you know, going back to my example for the practice I'm with, the little guy, you know, is there something here for that? You know, is it is it the level of engagement, the level of, of uh, spend, because, I mean, you know, it is a license-type uh, content, but can a small business like mm-hmm. that interface and, and be able to engage with your, your content to, to their own benefit, or is it a larger entity that needs to Absolutely. be Absolutely, and you'll be surprised that most of the larger corporate have the same cost concerns that you do. Mm-hmm. So um, what's interesting is that it, it is to, the price of entry is so low and the return is so high that it's almost you can't, you should, you have to do it. (laughs) It's, and um, you know, you spend, even before we went on air, we're spending so much time explaining to these two gentlemen what exactly you do. Yeah. Um, That could be eliminated just because most people before they meet with you will go on your LinkedIn Mm -hmm. page or your website. And it elim- it basically you're selling yourself before you even walk in the door. And so it, it, it's like the closing of business is so much faster because you've basically established yourself that you know more than they do. Not just the fact that you can spell the name of your business, which is difficult. Right. Um, yes. But Gotta that, start somewhere. Yeah. But that you know more. Yeah, that's right. And you're an expert. Wow. Uh, and that's good to know. And, um, you know, I'll certainly be sharing, you know, the information about uh, the Sharewick.com site with colleagues that we have in the marketplace because you know you got to meet one of the physicians that we do some work with occasionally he was a guest on the show and you got to stop by that day and he's somebody that's heavy into blogging and and he's looking for you know additional information all the time to kind of you know build out his body of content that he's providing so it's definitely something that more and more people are realizing the importance of you know telling your story effectively but also putting out information that's useful to to uh, a potential customer before yeah. they become one and we're not we're not marketing marketers we help people with their marketing and that's not really a big part of what we do it's just kind of becoming more because it's important to people but my staff is all healthcare journalists mm-hmm. so we are we are well versed have institutional memory so we pretty much know what's been done by hospitals what has been done by a lot of different people in the healthcare space we also know 
you know, not only how to spell mitral valve regurgitation, but we also know what what it is and what it does. Mm -hmm. And we also know what the difference between what an Abbott and a Medtronic and an Edwards, we, my staff knows the difference. So there's that learning curve is not there. We know how to find the work. We know the difference between a secondary journal versus a, you know, a first tier journal. And we, we know when something comes out in the news, which happens often, and it's incorrect, whether to tweet it or not, because it's bad information. So does the, the user of the licensed inf- information that you produce at Sherwick, is it a situation where, I'm sure there's a little bit of both, I can pick this piece and this piece and this piece, but then I can also sit down with you and say, hey, these are some of the things that we want to mm-hmm. focus on, and you could actually tailor and produce information from, from start. Yeah, that's a, a big part of what we do now is a combination of license and original content. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's really you know kind of cool how this is kind of moving into the healthcare space. I mean, I, I think we kind of tend to lag behind in some of these types of things, but we're starting to catch up. Um, and uh, you know, I would absolutely recommend that uh, the folks listening stop by you know Sherwick.com and check out. You know, as I mentioned, there's some very cool blog articles there. There's some videos that people can watch that talk about things like hip replacement, for example, and different things like you described. What is my experience going to be like hearing it? told by a person who's gone through it, either somebody who does the procedure, you know, for example, we do a lot of the same sort of things here. So uh, I certainly encourage people to get to know more about Sherwick. And uh, through that, you're, you've got presence on all the social media, of course, since we do, you're yeah. the experts yeah. in that and, kind of arena. And also to keep in mind, when you do go to my website, we don't give our content away. So you're not going to see a lot, um, but you'll see enough samples to get yeah. a taste of it. You'll want to know more. And, you know, in introducing, you know, Diana and starting to talk about the importance of information, being able to engage with your audience, that kind of brings me to my other two guests here that uh, each have their own entity, but they're related to because they're working together on a project as well. So I'll have, you know, Sahil and uh, Stuart kind of jump in, you know, and start kind of telling us a little bit about the platforms that they're working with. Sahil, you know, we talked the other day about uh, ER Express, which I think is a very cool application. I hadn't heard about it until I met you two. Um, And so for folks in the uh, Atlanta area in particular, and you have some clients obviously uh, nationwide as well, but uh, if you're somebody that's sitting at home and you've got somebody that's not feeling well and you're thinking maybe I should go to uh, ER, uh, that's where many people start to think before urgent care, but uh, even an urgent care sort of setting, if they log on to ER Express, they actually have the ability to see wait times or at least when could I be seen? When, 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 when could I be expected to be seen if I go here? Um, be able to maybe choose some place that might be a little bit of a further drive, but I can do my waiting at home and show up a little bit ahead of what my expected time is and save myself a lot of angst. That's right. Well, CW, first I should maybe hire you as a salesperson because that's awesome. a fantastic <laughs> summary of, of what we do. So that's one of our products, and that's uh, kind of our roots are in there, the idea that the average wait at the ER is four hours. Uh, even in urgent care, it's pretty long. And so we have a simple tool that lets patients log in and hold their place in line. And it's kind of like the Disney Fast Pass. So you can sign up for a That's time. Great. It's a projected treatment time. It's not an appointment. It's right. not a guarantee. Right. Uh, you're still going to be treated based on how sick they are. So if you know, you've got a uh, sprained ankle, you're not going in front of the people who have heart attacks or strokes or everybody who has a kid got that analogy, but everybody without a child 
completely just missed that. <laughs> yes, that's right. So, well, what's the? What was the? I can't remember the name of the application. I've even used it, uh, the the exact name, the one that you can use to reserve a table. Yeah, Open Table. Open yeah, Table. Like, I don't it. know if the Open Table guys like it, but we like to say we're the Open <laughs> well, Table for hey, the ER. You know, they're getting some props in in the media here, so uh, <laughs> they can't be, feel too badly about it. Um, but I mean, as it as it happens, I mean, when you log in, it uses, as you described, it uses the IP address of where you you know the device that you're logging in, and then it can actually, you, as you mentioned, if you're doing so particularly with a mobile device where it can geolocate you, it can actually show you kind of like Siri does. The places that are nearby, you'll have several choices. I, I logged in when we talked about it the other day, uh, and, um, you know, I was really impressed. It gave me four options. They were all major hospitals. Um, you know, a couple of Wellstar hospitals, that, you know, from what I understand, That's several, right. several of right. them are on board. And, of course, Gwinnett was my other ones. Um, you know, and then you, can, you mentioned the fact that it can actually also show you some urgent care options as well. So you can maybe better utilize our healthcare resources by doing something like that. That's right. And, you know, that is a better outcome for the patient is we want to give them more information, more precise information, let them make the choice. And the less sick ought to go to urgent care. And the more sick ought to go to the ER. And if you're deathly sick, stop, put down your phone and just go. Um, but, you know, in, in doing that, you know, we were doing a good job of helping patients before they arrived, but doing very little for once they got there. And if you think about kind of the entire visit at the hospital, a lot of things happen uh, once you actually show up. And there's a lot of opportunity to improve that patient experience. And that's how Stuart and I started working together. So his company and, and my company, we have you know, complementary platforms, and we've started working. And we've been working together for two years now. Um, he's built an amazing technology, does a great job with his company. Um, and, and we work closely together with a number of hospitals so that once the patient arrives, and they're actually, hopefully they arrive via ER Express, but even if they didn't. And, and by the way, we have a lot of hospitals that we work with that, that don't use our, our reservation product. And they're taken back to a room. Uh, on average, there's still two to three hours where they're sitting in that room, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, our patient experience tablet program is a really neat way to engage them. So I'll, let me hand it off to Stuart. He'll talk more about uh, what we do there, and, and maybe even, Stuart, you can talk about one of our recent hospitals that just went live uh, last week, and they've had some, some great results already. Yeah, what a seamless transition. Well played. <laughs> yeah, so, so the idea really, uh, I guess, originated back in the late 90s, you know, it, it used to be a website, right? Everybody in the late 90s said, let's go to a website and figure out what I should do. Um, fast forward five or six years and people started getting on mobile devices and looking at content mm -hmm. that people were producing. And what w I sort of said was, well, what happens while you're sitting there in the hospital and you're captive? Well, you look at your phone, maybe you go on Facebook, maybe you, you know, you send some emails and after 15 minutes you're bored out of your mind. Isn't that a great opportunity to engage the patients? engage them while it's relevant to them and engage them while it's timely. And so what we thought was that a tablet solution, which is now much lower cost than it used to be, would be a very seamless way and a painless way to give that consumer of choices and options. And so we've been working together, per, sort of perfecting what the platform looks like. I think there's still a long way to go. But what we've realized is that it's the perfect combination of content and transactions that really enable a hospital to, to advance their patient care. Um, one of the things we've all touched on is obviously with affordable care and the change in landscape, what used to be lip service, which was I care about my patient experience or I care about my consumer experience, now actually goes to the now bottom line. Prove it, yeah. yeah, I mean, so CEOs are getting bonused on it. Directors are getting fired on it, and it's a big deal. And so you got to really figure out a way to engage that consumer and make them part of the experience. And so that's why all 
really all three of these companies fit so well together. And so with the platform that you're building through Bioscape Digital, you're, you're focusing right now, sounds like heavily in that ER, you know, urgent care type space. But there's other places, obviously, that you can go because there's many other places in my particularly hospital experience where I could potentially be sitting, waiting, getting angry, you know, thinking, boy, this sucks. The good news is now you can be a salesperson and you can be a biz dev because you know exactly where we're, we're headed with it, right? Because it's the emergency room is, is sort of the front door and there's a huge amount of volume there, but then also there are inpatient rooms and there's all these different areas in the hospital where there's a lot longer of a waiting time. Right. And so actually what you have there is you have almost a bigger opportunity for that content to engage the consumer. So you think about it, the most shortest interaction, you or the most shortest, that's good English. The <laughs> shortest interaction you have with a, a healthcare system is when you go see your primary care. Sort of a medium interaction might be emergency, and then that longest-term interaction might be that three-day surgery, right? And so you got to figure out what the model looks like in each one of those scenarios, and it's a little bit different, uh, but there are also some lessons learned in each. And so it's taking our time and getting it right is, is what we're focused on mm-hmm. right now. And and can you c- describe for the listener, obviously they can't see it, you brought uh, a device with you here, um, but, I mean, it's a, it's a tablet, and can you kind of describe, you know, what it is that we're going to put into the hands of a patient or their loved one that's uh, sitting there in the ER and kind of going through their life cycle in that space of the hospital? Yeah, yeah, and w- what I'll do is I'll take a step back and say why a tablet, right? First of all, it's... One of the things we, we did early on is we studied with uh, some CDC uh, funds the effects of how a patient or a consumer could interact with the tablet. And so, you know, the, the, the immediate uh, sort of kickback or pushback we always hear is, well, a 60 or 70 or 80 or 90-year-old doesn't know how to use a tablet. Mm-hmm. Turns out a tablet is the easiest form factor in the world. Yeah. It's point and click. And so what we work on is keeping a really minimal interface where it is the relevant information to you. I'm not going to give you a lot of noise. I'm going to give you what's relevant to you, and I'm going to give you access to what you find important during that, that, that experience. And so it's, you know, it, it, it's a process of curating the best content, the right content. It's a process of understanding the right tra- transactions to put on there and, and sort of blending the two together. And so the, the beauty of the platform that we've been working on is that there's a lot of flexibility, but then there's also a lot of, of ability to measure exactly how each one of these sort of UIs or experiences for a patient differs and what happens when you change one button or one icon. So you can actually do some analytics then on users while they're using your platform. You can see, much like if you use Google Analytics, where they went on the website, you know, or at least in this case, where they went through the platform, what they tend to click on, almost like a heat map sort of thing. They pay a lot of attention to this, but not much to that and that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that our platform does is it, it, it's not just a, a device or, a, a, or a, a television that shouts at the consumer. There's also the ability to listen to what the consumer has to say. And so we've actually developed a really uh, a, a quite a powerful, cool, powerful tool, and we call it sort of our feedback express mechanism. And it's this idea that there's a patient or, or a family member in a room, and they want to give feedback on how their experience is. So these consumers can actually give feedback, and we can take that and map that directly through our system we've, we've jointly developed to, um, to the hospital. And in doing so, it really becomes the, this, this tool that's a two-way communication device, and so it's a pr- pretty cool t- cool uh, concept. I would think so. We've been talking with Stuart Bracken of Bioscape Digital and Sahil Patel of ER Express. You were getting ready to say something. Well, I was just going to say, so Stuart brings up a great point, which is that when it comes to patient satisfaction, the way most healthcare systems deal with it is the patient leaves, they get mailed a survey, 
and something like one out of ten fills it in. Right. Most people sit the on angry the dining ones room. Definitely yeah. do. Yeah. They sit on the dining room table. The uh, the really angry ones get on social media and say, "I wouldn't go here if my life depended on it." That's right. Then the hospital gets in reaction mode and they're trying to do damage control and they're apologizing and, and their hearts are in the right place, by the way. They have a very difficult job um, and maybe the patient feels better about it, but you actually haven't improved that patient experience. Uh, what you've done is maybe if you collect enough of those in aggregate, you can say, oh, well, it turns out everyone's mad because the parking lot is really difficult to access or it turns out that we don't do a good job of getting patients blankets when they ask for it. Uh, so an aggregate, that's nice, but it doesn't actually do anything for that patient at that time. And so with this, the hospital knows in real time someone in room eight is unhappy and why they're unhappy. And then we have some tools that actually alert the hospital staff exactly that. And we have a smartphone app that they carry on their phones. And so you actually see nurses walking around seeing, oh, room eight is happy. Room 10 is not happy. Let me go do something about that. How powerful is that? That, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, we talked about open table in the restaurant. I know in the times when, you know, the, the manager of the particular restaurant comes in to check on me, um, you know, I, I find that useful. Imagine if you're the patient or a loved one, you're frustrated with whatever it may be. Well, I'm glad you brought that example up because so let's say you're the manager and you come check on me and I'm not really happy with my food. The first thing I'm thinking is, what's the likelihood that they spit in my food after I say uh, my burger wasn't cooked the way I liked it? Right. Or I've been waiting for my beer. And they say, well, great, I'll bring you a new burger. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so, you know, if you think about it, you know, that's a relatively low risk setting. I hope so. Yes. Uh, well, in the terms of there's, there's a limited amount of damage that they can do to you. But when you're in the ER or in the hospital, more generally speaking, uh, you're actually pretty vulnerable. It's a moment of stress, um, of anxiety, and you know whether we realize or not. Those of us who work in healthcare, we're medically literate and conversant, and we know how to navigate the system. But the average person, maybe not so much. And so they're thinking, boy, if I say, well, Nurse Stewart, I didn't care for your bedside demeanor. I'm kind of afraid that Stuart's going to come back with a needle and say, well, I'll do something about the bedside demeanor. And, and that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, how do you feel now? That's, <laughs> that sounds fun. So the idea of, you know, directly confronting your care provider um, is difficult, I think, for most people. Um, so just through the fact of the form factor of putting it in technology, um, it makes it easier to, to share. And we find the response rate goes way up because mm. people are saying, oh, this is easy. It's anonymous. Um, I can say something. I don't have to wait till I go home. I don't have to stand face to face and say, Stuart, I didn't like the job you did. I can just say, boy, the, you know, the doctor, the nurse didn't listen to me. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, we find the hospital staff, they really do want to know and they really want to do something about it. Um, and they really do want to improve, uh, the experience that their patients get because they have a very difficult job. Um, in a pretty stressful environment. And so um, this is an example of where patients, you know, sometimes they're watching a video and getting more educated about what's going to happen to them. And sometimes they're telling the hospital something about their experience that can be good or could be done better. So are you finding in your early adopters, I mean, it's a relatively new a platform that you're offering now starting to really kind of branch out and get it implemented but in those implementations where you are are you finding that that the patients and their families are engaging 
in, in that opportunity to be able to share feedback, positive and negative, uh, you know, to try to maybe uh, give the hospital staff, as you're describing, Sahil, uh, the opportunity to be proactive or at least immediately reactive and being able to address it while it's a problem versus, you know, like, like you described the situation of the old days of, you know, a week after I'm here and I've had a good 10 days to really steam about it to really, you know, if I'm going to bother to, to, to give you my feedback, are they using it? Are they, are they sharing that information? Yeah. Yeah. I'll actually uh, give you a few stats from last month that sort of blew my mind and, and really, I think set the table for exciting year to come. Uh, last month, we actually ended up having 75,000 interactions with our tablet, which means on average, a patient that would pick up the device would use the device for five different items. So they would watch two or three videos, maybe learn more about cholesterol and then give feedback to the hospital. And that's a really uh, a pretty exciting number, right? So if I give you some content that's relevant to you, then you use it five times while you're sitting there, that's 10 or 15 minutes that's sort of taken out of the experience where we at least, at least know you're learning something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you combine that with the fact that we see a, a, a really a massive quantity of feedback to these hospitals from these patients, and it's been a really exciting couple months. Um, the other thing I'll say about sort of this feedback mechanism is it's a lot of times in a, in a hospital, people assume, well, all the patients are going to be dissatisfied because they have a long wait time. Yeah. One of the things we've actually seen is about 80 or 85% of our feedback's positive. And they'll even call nurses and doctors out by name and say, uh, Dr. Patel did a great job on me today. And, and, and so there's actually a lot of positive, positive feedback that gets lost because it's so much of a, uh, of a penalty mentality where I, I don't want to get a bad report card. I don't want to be you know, told I'm doing a bad job that, that a lot of the positive feedback's lost. And so that's one of the things I'm, I'm also very, mm-hmm. I guess, proud of and also surprised about. Yeah. I think that the first thing that people would jump to is to presume that somebody would want to, you know, jump on the opportunity to gripe if they need to. But, uh, but like you say, I, I think that that's gotta be, you know, when I'm a, a hospital system and I'm trying to evaluate, do I invest in this kind of technology platform for my, you know, locations, to be able to, just like you say, now I'm actually able to capture real-time happy clients mm-hmm. and feedback. And so from a morale, it's one of those kind of almost intangible things. But when you're able to share that with them, to it can get down to impacting things like employee turnover, for example, and morale. I think um, this is a uh, – and to take a step back, it's a, it's a macro-level issue where we're squeezing providers, nurses, right. and hospitals so hard to accomplish more and more with less – that there's a little bit of a, a, a fatigue going on with with these providers, right? It, yeah. It's, I got more to do, I have less time to do it, and, and you're paying me the same amount, and, and something's got to give. And so sometimes some positive reinforcement can go, go a long way. So, you know, I know that uh, you're, you're interfacing with the folks at Sharewick for content. Uh, talk about that, you know, piece of it uh, as far as, you know, how, how are you selecting, you know, the type of content that you're providing in a, you know, is it different, but, you know, what, what's driving it? Is it ch- kind of chosen by you sit down with the, the, the provider hospital that's going to offer the technology and kind of talk about, you know, these are the options and they kind of select what they want? How does that, how does that happen from a content perspective? Uh, you're, why are you looking at me? You're... Um, so we are providing content based on specs that Stuart is providing based on what that hospital system wants. So they have or, some ideas of what the these channel. are the types of things yeah, we want to well, kind of push. Or what push. channel. Like there's a particular client that wanted, uh, was it ortho and new moms? Is that right? Mm-hmm. So we basically gave that content or um, provided that content for those types of specialties. So each one of these hospitals usually has initiatives that they're trying to push and actually... Yeah, we're building out our service line in ortho. We're Ex- yes. building out our newborn 
Yeah. And, and if you think about it, a lot of this content is websites are robust now. You know, most every hospital you go to has hundreds and hundreds of pages of, of, of web page, of web content. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for our platform, we know who the audience is, we know who the user is, and we know m- most likely or ballpark while they're there, why they are there. And so we can really target content that, that otherwise is, is difficult to target to these consumers. And so it's aligning content. If you know the patient's 60, 65 years old, then you know that screenings or chronic disease might be relevant to them. If they're 30 or 40 and a woman, maybe it's uh, maternity, right? And so it's aligning the content to who the consumer is, and, and that's where how, how we work together. We've been talking with Stuart Bracken of Bioscape Digital, Diana Keogh of Sherwick.com, and then, of course, Sahil Patel of ER Express. And you, when you look at your, your platform here that's tablet-based, and we've talked about the fact that right now we're starting with the inpatient setting very heavily just because there's some real pain points there that are, you know, well-known. But, uh, I mean, you know, I know the times when I've ever seen negative feedback uh, from patients about their visit to a physician's office, it's almost always based on, you know, I waited, I, I got there early, I was required to be there early, then I waited in the in the lobby for my, you know, time for XYZ, and then I got taken back to a room and I didn't see anybody yet for another period of time. Do you envision the, the, the platform here going also into that, you know, that kind of setting as well in the, you know, the physician-type practice? Yeah, that, that's sort of funny you say that. That's actually... Uh, the idea started there pretty much, right? And, and not so much the business, but the idea really sunk in and, and resonated with me there. Been, been going to the same primary care doctor for 33 years now. No, not 33, probably 23 years now. And I go into the same room in, in her office, and there's this poster on the wall. And the poster is a poster or a listing of every single type of birth control medication a woman can take. And I don't know how that's relevant to me, right? And so I'm sitting there, and I'm captive. <laughs> And that's all I can look at. There's what, so many what can things I, read? I can say. How many times but can I read yeah. about n- NuvaRing? And how many kids do you have? So it might have been relevant. Yeah. yeah so far, only yeah. one. So, so. <laughs> Depending on your social life, that could be extremely relevant. <laughs> I'm very familiar with the dude that's like turned to the side and he's the got an esophagus that goes down. And I've seen him. Yeah, yeah, or that one skeleton that's in the other corner. All right, you know, yeah. and so it's it, it, that, that's the exact sort of experience that, that we're looking to improve on so is that you know i guess down the road once you've kind of built out your your platform in the inpatient space then you intend to expand into the yeah provider itself in the office you'll have to check back with me in a year or two well, right. and i'm trying to get him so we have now moved into you know the whole other market that we haven't talked about here is the employees within the health system mm-hmm which has enormous problems. I mean, there's a weight problem, there's health problems, there's stress, there's depression. Um, So we have moved into, because of all the hospital systems we've been dealing with, into patient safety training. Because, you know, there's one hospital here in the Atlanta area that spent, a small hospital, spent over $7 million last year on employee injuries. That's a lot of money. So we have now expanded into, you know, prevention on bloodborne pathogens, which is really relevant yeah, now. It's probably whole, topical. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, needle pricks, lower back injuries, uh, um, sex discrimination, all of which they have to do the training. But there was no way to basically 
know what they were learning when they sent them into a room to look at these videos that you know are from basically OSHA in the 1980s. <laughs> yes. So we've and expanded into that. I can imagine the effectiveness so of that when they're just boring and. Uh, oh, and they're an hour and 15 minutes long, and they're horrible. And so we basically have reached, you know, basically recreated those and broken them into smaller bites, that and then they have learning. So you can't walk away. My friend is a nurse doing that training this week, actually. Yeah. Oh, Do they have the good music from the 80s? Though? Oh yeah. Let's <laughs> hope. So. So. They got the. <laughs> They've got the hair and they've got the clothes. It's really funny. Um, and then we've also started into readmission, which I'm, I mean, I'm, again, I'm hoping, Stuart, I want him to get there as well to be able to do the readmission content. And we've now started into that. So for certain, um, certain conditions, if a patient comes back with these conditions, the hospital does not get paid. So they want to know, you know, what to say to this patient, what content to give when a patient is discharged three days later, six days later, 30 days later, 60 days later, and they don't care if you come back with a broken shoulder, if you've left with pneumonia, they just don't want you coming back with the same condition because then they don't mm. get paid. So are you saying then that that you, it, it's sort of like a cookie almost, that it knows that I was here recently and it can actually somewhat tailor, welcome back, you know, I noticed that you're back for the same kind of thing. I mean, is that what we're talking about? Well, no, again, we're working with the hospitals on, especially in certain conditions like heart conditions, um, respiratory conditions. So um, you're saying being able to provide some information for this patient who's sitting here for this diagnosis no, that would help keep them that is less being likely. Let go from the hospital from a stroke or a heart attack, um, and then basically here's what we go the content we go through with them. Better discharge education is what you're talking about. Exactly. Okay. It's called preventing. Really, the whole goal of it is preventing them from coming back with the same condition. Sure. Yeah, it's pretty funny that, that, that you bring that up. It's such a complicated ecosystem, and there's always moving pieces. But if you begin to think about it, what's happening is the hospital is now more and more responsible for you before you get to the hospital and after you get to the hospital. Mm -hmm. So this actually ties right back into ER Express because I know one of the things that they, they look at is readmission criteria. So I thought yeah, that's that might right. be relevant. That's right. So, I mean, the first thing is someone's leaving, and they need a specialist. And what most hospitals do is they hand them a pile of paper and say, yeah. here's the on-call doctor. We hope you call him. Good luck. And so the hospitals that we work with now, what they can do is actually put in a request. The patient can put in that request from the tablet and say, I need a nephrologist. And our tablet will actually, most hospitals have a call center mm -hmm. or they've hired a call center to do outbound calling. And we'll send that to automatically to the call center and they'll call Diana and say, Diana, we saw that you were at the ER with congestive heart failure and we'd like to get you and see a cardiologist and then have a conversation about what carrier plan she's on and when she can get in. And the sooner she, we can get her in to see that specialist, the less likely she is to come back. Now, if she does need to come back and she ends up using ER Express, we actually have some ways to... Uh, predict the likelihood that she's what's called a uh, 30-day readmit. And when we do that, our system actually works with the care management organization within health systems to kind of do a risk score on that patient and um, try and reduce the likelihood that they... Not, I don't want to say they're trying to discourage them from coming, but they're trying to find out what is it that you need and is there a way we can get that to you earlier and better without you ending up in the ER or ending up getting... Um, admit it. Right. And so a lot of the hospitals, like we are now developing the content that that hospital could send to this patient to educate them to know when, like this is when you should come back to the doctor, but if you're feeling this, or this is the way you should be feeling it, da-da-da-da-da. Right. So, you know, it's, 
you know, the synergy between what we're doing is, you know, it's really exciting for the consumer. It's really exciting for the healthcare institution that, you know, this technology and content is actually melded together to help them solve problems on both sides of the equation. Yeah, I mean, with the technology being what it is now, and with basically, I, you look around the room, you don't see anything but smartphones here, and then obviously the, the, the tablets are an important piece for, you know, many people with Kindles and all those types of things. But, uh, you know, being able now to actually produce information, because, I mean, why do we give discharge planning or discharge education? Why does the pharmacy staple that big piece of paper to your prescription when you pick it up? It's, it's because they, you know, there are certain things that if you, if you know this and you follow this, then the likelihood of either developing some kind of severe problem as a result of a, a medication interaction because you didn't realize that when you're taking Simvastat and you shouldn't drink grapefruit juice, you know, for example, different things like that. But now these types of platforms that we're talking about here, coupled with high levels of information being produced, you know, in a way that people will actually consume it, mm-hmm. actually now is going to, I think, you know, based on what I'm hearing here, uh, should be able to empower both the frontline physician in his office to uh, a hospital system uh, to be able to actually have the information do what it was intended to begin with. Why would they give you that big ream of paper? Well, there's a lot of information in there that really is important, but in that, me- in that mode, what happens? It gets folded up, stuck in the glove box, stuck in the trash can. It never gets read. I mean, or, it gets read. Or after surgery, you're sitting and going, gosh, should I, should, should I be in this much pain? Right. And, you know, it's usually when do, when do most admissions happen to the ER? At 3 in the morning. It's because they've gone through pain all day long. And at 3 in the morning, they think, well, maybe this is really bad. And, of course, that's when there's the shortest staff. And so, you know, again, the technology here helps with the this is if you're feeling this way, it's completely normal. This is, should be your pain level, you know, and if it gets to this this point, then you should do something about it. So, you know, it's we're right in the wheelhouse here of solving that problem. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think it stepped away from a, what used to be just compliance and regulation, you know. So I'm printing out these six pages of instructions because I need to make sure I don't get sued. Right. And, and really it's turning and turning the corner around on that. And so I think you, you said the word, we're all really excited about it. Getting the patient to actually engage with and use the information you're handing them to, you know, yes, you're, you're protecting yourself by saying, oh, they signed here. They, it clearly shows that I gave them this piece of paper, but actually producing information that they're going to then turn around and be reading on the way home or l- watching or listening to whatever it may be on the way home. Who do you interface with, you know, when you're when you're linking up with hospitals? Who who are you talking to about these types of solutions to, you know, to get engagement from the hospital side of things? Who's who's being faced with that choice? Uh, that's a great question. You know, it really it's funny it's a twofold uh, approach it's the top level but then it's also the front line the front line is the people who are dealing with this every day and so i mean they are really the uh the unsung heroes of these hospitals and so working with them on a daily basis is critical but also you you need to understand what the the ceo of the hospital and the management team of the hospital want and need and so it really is getting both both groups together and and what's nice about it is their incentives are all aligned now which may not 
wasn't always the case. And mm-hmm. so, so everybody in the hospital has aligned incentives and we come in and we try to help work with them on those incentives. You know, I, it's funny because, you know, being part of a physician practice, I've not been one who really, uh, uh rang the happy bells about the, the changes that the affordable care act brought about. <laughs> the one thing that I do think it was useful. I mean, I think that there were some valid points in, in the, in that legislation. Um, uh, but you know, putting a focus and putting some greater responsibility on the patient experience, I think is, is a good thing. And I think that it can, you know, ultimately help empower you know those hospitals to, like you're describing here the opportunity to be proactive to truly be able to you know make it a good experience when you're in the hospital so it's really cool to be able to share information about these platforms and I'm, and I'm always amazed by how fast our time goes by when we get these cool people in here so before we have to jump out you have a final parting thought about you know what you're doing that uh, that we can share with the listeners parting thought I'll, I'll, I'll lead uh, I'll, I'll take a stab at that. Um, I think as a consumer of healthcare, and that's everybody in this room and everybody in the world, you need to think of yourself as though you're consuming a product, right? You go to Target, you go to Walmart, you go to Best Buy, you expect a quality of care. You expect to be treated. You expect to get the right product at the right price. And those expe- expectations should carry over into healthcare. And tools like what the three of us are working on really do accomplish that. Mm-hmm. And so next time you show up in a hospital or next time you go see your doctor, think of yourself as a consumer of healthcare. Think about what you do when you're researching to buy a car and do the same thing when you're looking to, to, to buy a, a new hip. No, I think that's absolutely true. I, I, I don't think that most people realize the, the fact that they can advocate for themselves a whole lot more than they ever do, uh, you know, historically, you know. And so uh, tools like this are certainly going to uh, let them do that better, and that's really cool. I think, Stuart, you put it very well. That's excellent. CW, thanks for having us. And, you know, real quickly, um, if, if you didn't catch it earlier, if you want to be able to utilize uh, in the Atlanta area and in other markets as well, it'll know where you live, So, uh, um, which is kind of cool, kind of creepy in a way, but it's cool. Um, it'll show you the hospital near you, erexpress.com, um, social media. You're out there in social media someplace? We are. We, we're on Twitter, and we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash erexpress. Okay, and we'll make sure we tie in with you there. How about you, Diana? You can find me at um, Sherwick, uh, Sherwick.com, at, uh, at Sherwick. That's our Twitter handle, and we have a Facebook page as well. And um, I'm also on Twitter, Keo, and um, also on Facebook. Cool. So we'll, we'll link up with you, and uh, how about you, Stuart? You can find me on Google. All right, very good. People know you. Exactly. You're no, kind of uh, a big bi- deal. BioscapeDigital.com. Okay, super. And uh, I assume there's going to be links to uh, social media presence out there as well. So make sure that uh, if you're not familiar with those uh, organizations that you get there because uh, they're doing some very cool things in healthcare, um, check out sharewick.com and, and learn about the information that they're putting out there. Uh, you may come in, into an ER sometime soon and see uh, uh, the platform that these gentlemen are putting out there. So it's really cool to be able to bring them in and uh, share them with the community. So Krista, thanks for a great show. Thanks for letting me push your buttons. <laughs> That's right. And thanks to my <laughs> guests because the people that come on our show, whether they're healthcare uh, professionals themselves that are providing care or the healthcare executives and, and, and people in companies like this, you all have uh, busy things uh, to occupy your schedule. So making time to come out here and share information is very much appreciated. So uh, thank you to you all. And uh, to out there listening, thanks very much for making Top Docs Radio a part of your afternoon yet again. We look forward to sitting down with you all same time, same place next week.